Welcome to Shine Online with Ellie Swift. I'm your host, marketing and mindset coach, Ellie Swift, here to help you connect with your clients, create life-changing results in your online business and shine neon bright online. I built a multi-six-figure business in under two years and more importantly, have supported my clients to get amazing results. My clients have generated five and six-figure launches, tripled their income and completely transformed their lives using my signature framework, the Swift Marketing Method. In this podcast, I take you a layer deeper into my business, my life, and my mind. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey there, hope you're having a magical day so far. I am very excited to introduce today's guest on the podcast to you, my new friend, Anita from Word Fetty. Anita's a lawyer turned brand and copy strategist and the creator of Word Fetty, a human designed copywriting and brand DNA school that specializes in teaching brands that don't do normal, how to stand out through the power of consumer psychology, design thinking and words. I loved this conversation with Anita. So Anita and I are new friends. As I said, we have mutual friends and uh, uh, we met through the internet, (laughs) which is not strange, right? I met a lot of my friends through the internet and this was our second conversation that we have ever had together. We uh, first chatted when I was a guest over on Anita's podcast, Brand Fetty. So jump on over and check that interview out. And this was our second chat. We're actually going to meet uh, later in the year at a retreat that we've both been invited to. And so it was so nice to uh, get to know more about Anita. And I know you're going to love this episode because we chat through how she went from being a lawyer to having her own online business, how she built her business and the journey specifically that Anita went on. We talk about her zing moments, the power of one, and my favorite part of the interview, Anita takes us through a design thinking activity that you can do to uncover your why. And we do this in real time where I actually go through the process and uncover what comes up for me. It's really fun. I know you're going to love it. Enjoy this episode. I'm so excited for this conversation because the last time you and I spoke, it felt like we uh, were getting, well, we were getting to know one another for the first time and it was for your podcast. And now we get to do the same thing this side, but instead of me answering the questions, I get to ask all of them. And (laughs) I also feel like I have some really great insight into the fact that our stories are quite similar from the questions that you've asked me already. So this is going to be fun. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited, Ellie. I was just going to say, it's like talking to a sister from another mister. (laughs) <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Well, we we had so many synchronicities, even to things like our husbands are both starting businesses at the moment, like literally that level, that <laughs> level of synchronicity. Okay. So I really want to start. So at this point, you know, 
everyone's heard your your kind of formal introduction, but I would love to hear a little bit more about your story because you are lawyer turned entrepreneur. And when I hear those two words, I feel like they could not be more different from one another. And so I'd really love to know, like, how does somebody go from being a lawyer working in corporate to being an entrepreneur in a world that has nothing to do with law? I guess I'll go backwards a little bit. I, you know, grew up in a family where both my parents were actually business owners. But ironically, they were very much so, just so everyone knows who's listening, I do come from an Asian background and culture. And I share that because my parents literally said, hey, do you want to be a doctor? Or do you want to be a lawyer? <laughs> Which is ironic because both of them own businesses. But I guess maybe they were like, mm, it's actually a really tough gig. Just do something stable and just feels good. For me, I didn't like blood. So lawyer it was. <laughs> so I did the whole uni thing. I studied law and psychology in university. Uh, I knew probably halfway through the degree that I didn't want to be a lawyer. But I just kept going because I was like, I don't even know what else I would change to. So I kept going. I graduated, got admitted as a lawyer, got a corporate job. So working in government, which I think, you know, parents were very happy about because it's actually really hard to get into government. So for me to actually get that out of, you know, two, 300 people, they're like, yes, like she's all good. (laughs) Uh, So I guess just in that story, what I didn't really mention was, I guess, the seed that was planted when as to me wanting something more or not, not just something more that something was missing. And I call it a watermelon to the head moment. I know that's very vivid. But the big watermelon to the head moment for me was actually when I lost my dad quite suddenly. It was a watermelon to the head moment. I will literally say right now that I was not the most mature person. (laughs) When this happened, I was probably 20 when this happened. Um, He was diagnosed actually with terminal cancer. And he was given around three months to live. And so for me, it was a no-brainer for me to just become his personal carer. And during those months, he ended up actually living for another 10 months. So screw you, cancer. But during those 10 months, Ellie, like I don't think I've ever grown up as much as I did in those 10 months. I saw... Well, I really hope for your listeners, like for if you guys have gone through this, like I feel you and I'm with you, but just to see someone you love so much just slowly deteriorate in front of your eyes, it's a heartbreak, but also you realize just how short life is and how quickly things can change. And I think for me, I really started to think like, oh my gosh, like what if being in this cubicle, (laughs) this gray cubicle is not what I meant to do like would I be happy in two three years time if I was still here and the answer was no I wouldn't be like things can change so quickly and you know my dad has always been the person and he's still my inspiration to this very day where he's always like you know just finish the degree finish it but you know just if you're passionate about doing what you're doing like I think he says it's so much better than this but if you're passionate about doing what you're doing like your impact and whatever it is it'll come Like, and I always remember that. And that is when I started, I guess, you know, a side gig called Word Fetty. 
I have always loved writing. I've always loved words. I think language and words has been something that's always been part of my life. I, and I love that about law, how the smallest tweak of words can completely change the meaning mm-hmm. of the entire agreement or a contract. So I started that. I think I put together the website in a weekend. It was around probably four years ago now and launched it. And it was crickets for eight months. Like no one knew who the heck I was. So truth bomb, first truth bomb, launching a website does not mean the leads are going to (laughs) come. Oh, yes. (laughs) So eight months of crickets. uh, And finally, one lead came and she found me through Instagram. And, you know, a bit of a lesson for your uh, listeners now, like it took that person eight months to build that trust and connection with me to then feel comfortable because that's what she said hey I've been following you for the last couple of months and I really need some support when it comes to writing copy and all of that and that's the thing we automatically jump to the fact that oh I've posted something and no no leads well it takes your audience and us as consumers time to build that connection so after that lead it just she told all her friends about me and I still remember her Holly bless your cotton socks. (laughs) And then literally it snowballed Ellie. And um, here we are today. Like it's that, that was probably four years ago now. Thank you so much for sharing that journey. Gosh, I just can't even imagine how proud your dad must be of you. And I don't even, I don't even know you that well yet. And I'm just like, oh, that is so, so, um, so amazing that you naturally just went, of course, I'm going to be his carer. Like it, not everyone would do that. And you say, of course, but I I think that that's just something really, really special that you naturally went, this is, you know, my role. Of course, I'm going to do this. So it speaks a lot to your character and who you are as a person. And then fast forward into your business and you stuck it out for eight months before you got that first client. Thank you so much for sharing that because You know, I think in a time right now in the online space where we can get results quickly, like those possibilities exist. And I see it all the time in my clients and I'm sure you do too. And even when we have a coach support, sometimes our path is not for it to happen that quickly. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not our path. It might just mean that we're supposed to experience lessons in that journey taking longer. And so I'd love to know in that eight months, can you share with us your mindset during that time? Like, how did you keep going even when you didn't have clients. Talk us through maybe some of the mindset tips or practices you used. I love that question. So to paint a fuller picture, I was still in my corporate job. So mm-hmm. I do want to just be open and transparent about that. I was still in my corporate job. And I actually think there, there was, I'm so glad I had that because I think one of the biggest things I see my clients and community feel, and I'm sure your clients too, Wally, is, you know, th- that fear of stability, that fear. And it's, it's massive low hierarchy like it's something we need right that stability mm-hmm. and I didn't want to just create something just for the sake of creating something I wanted to choose like find my niche 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 whatever you want to call it and that doesn't come literally when you just start a business that takes time to refine you work with clients you start to realize no actually I want to do this or you work with that project or work on that project and you're like you know actually I really want to just focus on that that is my genius zone and I would say when it came to that eight months I did have I guess a bit of a security blanket that gave me 
the ability to just explore and run wild. And that is probably the first thing I would say. Adopt this mindset where you're experimenting. Stop thinking like you need to get it right. You need to get your niche. You need to get your audience, all of that right from day dot of starting the business. Because first of all, (laughs) us as humans, our desires and our pain points and all that will change with the economy as well. Like COVID hit, like there's going to be other pain points that we're going to have. So don't be so hard on yourself and be like, I need to get this right the first go. So that was one, just looking at it from a lens of, I'm just going to have some fun with this. I'm just going to have some fun and I'm just going to experiment and we'll see how it goes. And I'm learning, I'm absorbing like a sponge. So I would say that would be the first one. I think the second one was definitely, I gave myself 12 months. I was like, I'm going to give this and be consistent. So during the eight months, I said to myself, I will post, I wouldn't say every day, I would say probably four or five days in the week. I committed to that. So I made the decision, I committed to that. And I chose one hero content channel, which was Instagram. Mm -hmm. So my goal was not to spread myself too thin because I was you know, I still had a corporate job. I chose Instagram and I had the website and that was it. And I focused on the own channel, which is the website and the blogs and Instagram, a rented channel. And I went all in on that. I said, 12 months, I'm going to see how this goes. If it flops, it flops, whatever. I'm going to learn something anyway. (laughs) Uh, If it doesn't, then we'll never know, right? So let's give it a go. Mm. So I think giving myself 12 months to just go completely wild and do whatever the heck I wanted, I saw that as fun. And I also just saw it as, well, every single month, I'd almost be like, okay, so what did I learn? What can I do differently? And I was just consistent. There were no likes, there were no comments for at least like four, five, first four, five months of me starting that. And I really want to be clear about that because I think so many of us get so caught up in the vanity metrics and the follower count and all of that. But again, it takes people to build trust and connection and community. So that would be the second thing, consistency. I think the third one was, and I say, I say this now quite a lot, which is when they zig, you zag. And that is, again, I guess going back to the fun element, but I really didn't want to go in, in this copywriting world, trying to look at what every single person is doing. And don't get me wrong. I was supportive. I was looking, I was seeing what everyone was doing, but I wasn't looking at it being like, okay, so she did that. Maybe I need to do that. I was aware of what was going on, but I wanted to do something completely different. And that inspired me a lot to, you know, almost find this voice forward, Fetty, to almost fun. Of course, the element of fun has always been infused in the brand. So I really wanted people to start associating confetti with word Fetty. So that was also online, that was offline. So I think in the first year, I was sending confetti bombs to just random followers. I would literally DM them and be like, thanks so much for following us for the last, you know, X amount of, and I still do that to this very day, by the way, because I think it's fun. <laughs> it's random. Who, who doesn't want a confetti bomb, you know? And it's my way of being like, out of all the people that you could have spent your time commenting on or DMing with, you decided to choose me for the last five minutes. I want to thank you for that. And people don't realize that at the end of the day, social media is not there to replace relationships. It's there to strengthen relationships. And I think that would have been a key element as to why too we have such a strong community from for, for the last four, four years. Yeah. 
but yeah, those three things would I, I would say for those first eight months was what kept me going. Like I looked at, I think we only had like a couple of hundred followers, like three, four hundred. But I treated those three, four hundred people like I wanted to get to know all of them. <laughs> like I was messaging them, DMing them, being like, you want a confetti bomb? I'll send it to you. Give me your address. <laughs> <laughs> That's so key, isn't it? Because you know, so often we are so focused on the numbers and the growth and all those things. But actually, if we start by focusing on the people that are in front of us right now and already part of our yes. and building loyalty there and, you know, building that relationship and building trust there, like that's how it expands. You know, I so often have clients who will say, oh, you know, I got my first client, but it's a friend of a friend. So it doesn't count. It's like, that counts more than anything because that's where it starts. Like those people already have that trust. They already have that connection. Like the fact that you've got somebody who's already uh, bought into you as a human buying from you is amazing because that speaks to your character. And so it's funny. I, I always think about it from the lens of like the online space has almost told us that until we get a client who's in another country who doesn't know us at all, we haven't really made it, which is just mm-hmm. yes. Like it all starts with our communities. So oh, gosh, um, yes. I I really love all the the tips and advice that you shared there. And I can tell that you and I view marketing through a really similar lens, which I love. When you were talking about ease and creating ease and fun, how do we do that when it feels hard? So what I love about what you shared is you spoke about, I'm going to be in the energy of play and that's the brand and that's what I'm committed to. And you also spoke about, commitment to that one strategy. So your one owned channel and your one rented channel. And I love that as well. I I work in 90 day increments with my clients and I'm very focused on like all in, like, let's not get shiny object syndrome and kind of throw shit everywhere. Let's focus on that one strategy, take the data, you know, play with that. How do you block out the noise on hard days or how did you do that or, and, and stay in that feeling of ease when it's like, another day, another day, I didn't get a client and your tunnel vision on the one strategy still like, Mm. how do you do that? Because there's times when it feels really hard, right? And I just think this will be so valuable to those people. Yeah. So just to quickly clarify, Ellie, so kind of the question is more around like, what, what do I do on those really hard days? Totally. Um, Yep. The days when you're like, I'm still don't feel like I'm one step closer to getting the client. Like, how do you, how do you stay committed? So to be really real and transparent with you and your listeners, like I go through like a roller coaster every week. Mm. (laughs) I go through a roller coaster every week uh, where, you know, now like WordFed is predominantly in the digital learning and online, um, online learning space. So 80% of what we do is actually in our signature course, 20% is in service, which I really lead. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in both, but I think when it comes to it being really hard, I would probably say, you know, during launch periods, during like if I was to look at the VIP clients that I work with, like I think the one thing that keeps me going is I guess really getting clear on how you want to define success. I think so often we jump 
to defining success based on the number of conversions, the number of clients that we have or project clients, where to look at the service-based industry or uh, conversions when it comes to product-based or digital product-based. Don't get me wrong, knowing your numbers is important. You need to make profit in your business. But I guess what I mean by this is I think we get so caught up with defining success based on tangible stuff that Mm. we don't actually look at what success actually looks like when it's intangible too because for me, so much of what success is about is actually how I want to feel. And and this is how it's been a massive journey for me, Ellie. You know, I think if you asked me this maybe two years ago, I'd be like, yeah, on to the next goal, on to the next goal, let's do this. I actually have this alter ego I call Tamara, who's like the PP (laughs) of my business, who's like, let's go, Anita, what are you doing on Saturday? Let's do it. Let's work. Let's work. And then you see her peeping around on Monday. She's like, what you doing? Are you working? Like, That is so good. I why did you call her Tamara? I have to ask. I don't even know. I just remember in primary school there was a girl called Tamara and she was fierce. <laughs> I was like, I feel like she's been named after someone. <laughs> but that is the reason. And um, but where where I was going with that is I think two years ago I would have been like, yep, on to the next goal, on to the next goal. And I was a serial goal post mover. But one of the biggest skills that we can actually have, and I think it's so important to shift our mind here, is to actually know when to stop moving the goalposts and just redefine success the way you want it to. You'll always make more money. There's always going to be so much more money to make. If you define success based on purely money, whether or not it's 100000 200000 a million dollars, $10 million, if you define success based on that and you meet it, what do you think is going to happen next? You're just going to move the goalposts and it's a constant cycle. You'll never be happy. You'll never, ever be happy. And that was me. I literally felt like I don't even know why I'm not feeling that zing. I'll celebrate the zing for a good five seconds. And then I'm like, ah, next goal. Like, and it was a constant hamster wheel and it was tiring. So it wasn't until I got clear on how I wanted to feel when I, like what success actually feels like. And for me, a big part was waking up, waking up and not feeling anxious, having that ease and flow and creativity where if I want to stare at a wall, I can stare at a wall (laughs) and not feel like I have to be all the time. It's having breathing space for myself. So I got clear on what that looked like and that was a massive game changer for me. So now I actually embrace the slow time. And there's this quote that says, if you want to, the best way, I'm going to try and not screw this up, but the best way for you to sometimes speed up is to slow down. Yeah, I so, so agree with that and really hear you on the not wanting to wake up anxious and all of those things because yeah, when we get caught in the doing and the more, and it can be a vicious cycle because when you do start to see that success, when, when things start to tick over and it's like, oh, okay, I'm generating lots of leads and I'm generating lots of clients that can feel addictive. Right. Mm. But then it's like, well, let's not buy into this addiction of feeling like I need to serve every single it'll never person. Stop. It'll it never stop. stop. It'll never stop. And it's so ironic because we ask for that. Like that's yeah. the thing we create, but then we have to learn how to manage that so that we feel successful. And I really love as well that 
you were talking about, um, you know, the money piece and that being something that shifts, but not necessarily being fulfilling because I just so agree. It's like, if we're doing this for money, that's never going to be enough, right? Like, no, don't, don't start a business just for money. No, like it's not enough because there will be times, especially in those early days when it's late at night and you're tired and you're trying to nut out a a challenge in your business and you just can't crack the answer. Or, you know, maybe you're in a, having a hard conversation or just thinking about like those challenging Mm. moments in your business and you can't connect to just, well, money is the reason I'm doing this. It's got to be more than that. And so what is your more than that? You you shared obviously that, uh, you know, you want to have that white space and you don't want to feel anxious. Like what's your, what's your reason for building this? What's your why? My big one, it took me a while to really uncover this and I can share a little bit of an activity that really helped me to really uncover that, uh, to uncover that. But I guess for me, I really pause to reflect what those, I call it my zing moment, but you guys can call it, you know, the moment that have you being like, oh my gosh, this is why I do what I do. So I call it my zing moment. Uh, That could be different for everyone. But for me, I really pause to think about what those zing moments were for me. And for me, it wasn't just you know, it wasn't like a project conversion. It wasn't like when we got a lead in, it was those moments. And you might know this feeling too, Wally, because you've got a podcast, but it's almost like when people listen to the podcast, whether or not it's a podcast, whether or not they attended a free webinar that I've done, whether or not it's there in the program, uh, my signature program or in my mastermind, they send me a DM and they tell me, oh my gosh, Anita, after your podcast, like I decided to quit my job and da, 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 da. Or after your program, I have just completely, like the words are just flowing. It's just completely up-leveled our conversions because we just changed some words. Or it's little things like, oh my gosh, I've just booked. I just had a mastermind student literally tell me she's booking a three-month road trip with her husband. And that was what exactly what she wanted. She wanted a life where the business was not running her and she was able to run the business while being on the road. Like little moments like that. I don't measure it based on the dollars. I measure it based on these moments. It's that power of, I call it the power of one. Like just you're showing up for that one person. You're showing up for that one person, whether or not they're in Australia, Europe, UK, wherever. But like that's the person I have in mind when I'm freaking scared heckless before a keynote or a presentation. I'm thinking of that one person who I could impact. Mm. And I guess the activity I want to share, the quick activity I want to share is actually based on a design thinking methodology. And for those of you who might not know what design thinking is, it is a methodology that's been developed by two professors over at Stanford University. And it's been used by big companies like Uber, Alassian, Airbnb, all of that to help them problem solve um, in a creative way. And there's a number of different ways you could use this methodology, but the one that I looked at was design thinking in, in building your life, in designing your life. So how it really goes was this activity got you to got really clear on what you saw as important in your work. So what I mean by that is not just, oh, like, you know, I want to create impact. I want to do this, like get really clear, like so granular as to why you believe we as humans work. What's it all for? What is working for? What is this idea of work all about? And I think there were elements such as how does money come into play? What if you weren't paid? 
like for something? Like how does time come into play? What is work just as as the idea of work? Because you were to think about it from that lens, you're like, whoa, that's weird. Like we do spend so much of our time in this thing called work. Like what is it meant to be? Like what do we believe work is? So that was one part. The second part was what we saw life to be. Each and every single one of us are uber lucky to actually be here. Like there are a gazillion uh, chances that we probably wouldn't have been here, but we're here. But what is life all about? And again, it's not just about, oh, like it's, you know, it's about, I don't know, making money or like living the life. And it's not about that. But again, it's about what we see as a fulfilling life. What is a fulfilling life? And then you add in things like, how does death come into play here? What does death mean? You know, it gets really deep. Like, what does death mean? What does birth new baby mean? Like, how do all of these things come into play in this thing we called life? So it looked at the lens of work. And then it looked at the lens of life and got you to, for you, and each person's going to be different. I just want to highlight that. For each and every single one of us, how we define what work and life is, is going to be completely different. And that is the reason why this idea of success that is in TV, is in movies, is in documentaries, it's trying to push this thing to us and we can't help but align ourselves with that. But guess what? If we haven't even paused for one moment and considered what that looks like for us, of course, it's going to feel like something is missing. So I went through that. And for me, there are a few underpinnings in both. And that was that. that's probably what I'd recommend for those who are listening. And if you want to go through this activity, look at if there's any similarities or patterns in both. For me, I saw learning as something that was important in both life and business and like life and work. Like I want to learn, I want to absorb. I feel like I love challenges for that reason. I love to learn. The other element was freedom. So freedom, life, sure, I've owned a business, but what does freedom actually look and feel like? It means more, like I said, waking up and actually feeling not anxious. It's freedom in like creative freedom. Mm. And then the final one was legacy. So legacy is I don't want to be just known as a copywriter, actually. I want to be known for someone who stood for something and that something is I want to spread the power of words. And I hope when people see WordFetty, people don't see us as just a service provider or just as a online course provider, that we are here to spread the power of words. So I'm talking about not just business words, but just even conversations like what we're going through right now to the words you say to your family, friends, to the wider world, because words literally connect all of us. It spreads ideas. It tells stories. It's great for business as conversion, um, as a conversion engine. But it's like, if I was to say, as an example, hey, Ellie, I'd like to work with you versus Ellie, I'd love to work with you. Very small change, but it's a big difference. And you can, people can feel that. So that is my why, my long-winded why, along with an activity. Well, that's a very generous way of sharing your why. Thank you so much for doing that. I've actually been doing the activity myself while you've been speaking because I wanted to play with it and it's really good. So I would recommend anything you want to share. Yeah, I'm definitely, Hey, who's the interviewer here? (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Once a podcast host, always a podcast host. (laughs) 
it's so easy to do that it isn't it it's always so strange when you're the guest you're like oh I want to control the can't control. I know I'm like no I love it I so much give me that um, I definitely definitely do want to share things you know um so for me some of the things that came out and you know for everyone that's listening please don't let this skew your thinking in fact maybe hit pause on this right now if you don't want uh, what I'm about to share to skew your thinking but some of the big ones that came up for me were creativity, like across both mm. creativity, abundance and connection. Ooh, and yes. they're really key values of mine. But do you know what's so interesting is that when my ego gets in the way, she blocks all of those things in my work. I'll make myself um, so busy or so full with things that I feel I have to do to run a successful business, like lots yeah. of meetings, lots of FaceTime. And I lose my ability to feel creative, to feel abundant, which for me is really tied into like play and freedom. Yes. And I lose my ability to form connections in the way I want to, because it's more about like, must get things done. Tomorrow. Tamara, <laughs> she's in my head. Um, and so it's so great to do this because you can see where you might be cock blocking yourself from yes. having like the business that you really want. And look, I think that it's so useful when we have this conversation. I want to ask you a question about this in the, in a moment about like trade-offs when you're building your business, because oh, yeah. I know, for example, and I think I shared this on your podcast that I started out in like a one-to-one service model. And I knew that wasn't always going to be the way that I would work. But I also could recognize that it was going to actually fast track me to the type of model that I wanted. So do you feel like in terms of this vision work, what are your recommendations to anyone who's starting out? Like, do you have to know the model you ultimately want? What's Mm. your advice around like starting versus building and how your vision would shift and change? I resonated a lot with what you just shared there, Ellie. I think probably to answer that first, I'll do the short answer and then the long answer. But the short answer is I don't think you need to know on the get-go because I think so much you still, you're just navigating. Like, you know, you. I wish I would just come out of the womb and be like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but we don't, we just cry. Uh, so, <laughs> so I guess the long-winded answer is I resonate so much with that because I'll be honest, like when I first started WordFetty, I was like, we're scaling as an agency. That's the one way. That's the that that's the way. That is the way to scale as a service-based industry. There is no other way, right? There's no other, yeah, no, there's no other way. So I was scaling as an agency exactly like you in a way, like not an agency, but I was doing a lot of one-on-one. Mm-hmm. It was all one-on-one. And then I would get booked, I kid you not, like three, four, five months in advance. And people thought I was joking. Like people actually were like, oh, are you actually, yes, I am. I wish words would just flow out of me, but they don't. It takes creative juices, okay? So I was, in one year, we even hired like four or five people in the team. and, And that was what I was doing. As you're growing as a business, you just grow based on what you see, based on what you think. I didn't pause for one moment and considered exactly what I've just walked you through and also what I did for myself and actually considered what success meant for me. So I was growing this business based on what, you know, I got a studio even, um, based on what others may have thought was success and I was really building it and then I hit rock bottom and it was ugly it was really ugly I was burning out bad um and 
that was actually when I got really clear on everything that we were just chatting about and those three elements. And I'm like, you see, I started to see a lot of my clients that I worked with one-on-one, we'd do their strategy, we'd get their voice, we'd get their messaging, we'd get their unique selling factor, all of that, and their website. We do it. And then it's live. Yay. But then I see the inconsistency in everything else. It's like things would just start falling apart. And as soon as we handed it over, like it's a really good experience for the three, four months. And then because we weren't, I didn't want to scale as a big agency. It was just a boutique type of agency. So we couldn't take on too many retained clients. Mm. So then they were managing it themselves. And there were three things that was wrong with that. One, they started to feel disconnected to it because they almost outsourced the understanding of consumer psychology to us. Yes. Two, uh, they didn't even know like what to do next. A voice was different. This was different. Like, you know, and we try to, for some of our clients, we had to literally, you know, be there to support them with, hey, hint, hint. like I was that person that was like DMing, hey, you might want to like change that like word that you just use there. But inconsistency was the other thing. And I think the third thing was probably just the fact that, yes, they were part of the initial journey of going through all of that. But I think that is the real magic when you actually take a deep dive and build a brand DNA and you're in it instead of outsourcing it all. Because as soon as you outsource it all and you don't actually understand why we're talking the way that we're doing and why we're using certain words to your audience, that will just fall flat as soon as you finish working with that copywriter or that brand strategist. And that's what I found. So that was when I was like, well, the zing moments for me was in the learning elements, was in teaching elements. So that was when I went all into testing our signature program, Word Fetty Your Words. And that was literally us equipping them with a methodology, um, with a certain methodology as to how, um, like a, I call it seven steps. I call it the Pink Flamingo framework because Pink Flamingos stand out. <laughs> Get Love. <it? laughs> Love. And it blends consumer psychology, design thinking um, and words together to build a standout mm. brand. But that took me four years to figure out. So I want to be clear in the fact that it took me three and a bit years to figure out the model that I wanted to actually create impact on. And that took, you know, trial and error. That took me burning out, which I highly recommend that hopefully listeners don't get to that stage because it's not pretty. And it took a lot of just refining, refining, refining. So adopting that, I guess, mindset to experiment and it's not a sprint it's a marathon you know I I just want to say go over and listen to the episode that I did with Anita because we talk a lot about um, burnout on your episode and you just hinted to that then so I'm not gonna go down that line of questioning next but for anyone that's like oh I want to know more there make sure you check out that episode on um, Anita's podcast Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes as well so what I would just love to like extract from what you just shared so beautifully there is there's almost this connective thread from when you were talking about the start of your business, where you've shared a lot about how you didn't narrow down too much. You allowed yourself to be in that explorative, explorative, exploratory energy. (laughs) Uh, 
And that really supported you because then the pieces start to come together. And I think that that's so key. You know, I don't know anyone who started with a niche that they still have three years in or who like has a framework that they don't change in some Mm. ways throughout the journey or who has a business model that doesn't shift or evolve in some way. And so essentially it's like, you don't need to have all those answers, which is just such a great reminder. And often the biggest lessons are in staying in that present moment and doing the one thing that you feel most guided to do next. Mm -hmm. So good. Yes. Thank you so much for your time today. I want to ask you one more final question before we wrap up. What is your biggest piece of marketing advice for anyone who is currently building their coaching, creative or consulting business? My one big tip would have to be, and this comes from, I guess, my fascination too with human behavior and just what everything I do is underpinned by. It's to really understand your audience but I don't I want to go deeper here because I think it's so easy to say understand your audience understand your customer profile understand your persona but what does that actually mean so I want to go deeper in that like because it's not just about your geographic like how old is she how how much money is she making all of that like you need to know when you come up in conversation with your audience, you need to know why they wouldn't buy from you. Mm-hmm. You want to know what objections they might actually have to working with you. You want to know what they ultimately uh, desire in their life. You need to know where they're at before they decide to reach out to you. And I'll give you a bit of an example. Let's use use copywriting as an example. I think so often people are like, oh, uh, yeah, like the, the obviously they they want words and they want to get cl- like clarity in their messaging or their website copy, da, da, da. But when we look at the deeper desire of why they want that, it's not just that. It's not just words. You're not just selling words. You're selling. Why do they want that? They want conversions. Mm-hmm. They want to stand out in the industry. So if you look at the deeper desire of your audience of why they actually want that, you're not just selling words. You're not just selling content writing or all of that. You're selling more conversions. You're selling the ability to stand out in the industry. Words are just a vehicle to help them get there. And I think that is the biggest mistake that people jump to the conclusion of that they're just like, yep, I am a great copywriter. As an example, a great copywriter. I've got X amount of years of experience. Okay, but tell me what I actually want to hear here. Tell me what I actually want. Like that's when you want to, of course, we've got conversion writers. We've got launch copywriters. We've got a lot of different copywriters, but you want to really get to the, under the skin a little bit of why they actually need what you have, the ultimate desire, because that is the magic of, you know, the words that you use, how you can tweak your marketing message. Just start with the human. Don't start with the product or the service because when you know the person back to front, the product, the service, the digital product course, whatever offering that you've got can then be actually tweaked. And also I would highly recommend you actually don't create a product offer or product design until you know that because Mm -hmm. then that's where you come to the pain point of launching something it's crickets because you haven't created something that is actually what people want you know like if you're a very busy person who's got no time and you're already overwhelmed creating them a 50 page ebook is not going to work it's going to overwhelm them even more (laughs) 
<laughs> so getting clear on that human, the characteristics of that human um, and knowing them back to front is my big tip. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being here. I freaking loved this chat and just so enjoy the opportunity to get to chat with you. If anyone that's listening wants to chat more with you, where can they find you? Oh, I'd love to connect. You can find me on Instagram, which is at Anita Seek, A-N-I-T-A-S-I-E-K, or you can follow our brand at WordFetty. And I think the websites are going to be on the URL uh, over there. Oh, and BrandFetty, which Ellie is on as well. So have a bit of a listen to that episode as well. <laughs> so good. Thank you Yay. so, so much for being here. It's been the best. Woohoo. Thanks so much for having me. I just wanted to jump back in here real quick and share with you a little bit more info about my upcoming free workshop, Create Your Quantum Leap. We are now a week away from this free live workshop and we have hundreds of you signed up already, which I'm so incredibly excited about. I know this workshop is going to be wild and amazing. This is for you if you're an entrepreneur who's ready to commit to your next level and really conjure your dreams into the physical realm, which I would imagine is all of you. If you are here listening to this, I cannot imagine this not being for you. You can register over at elliswift.com forward slash quantum leap. And in doing so, you will get the details immediately so that you can be signed up to the place where I will share with you the biggest mindset shifts that I've navigated to go from $20,000 in my first year of business through to $700,000 in annual revenue in three years. If you're a coach, creative consultant with a big hearted mission, once again, I know you are because you're here. If you are at a consistent income ceiling and ready to soar beyond that, or if you are a leader ready to overcome the self-doubt mindset hurdles and fears keeping you from playing big, then please join me. I'm going to take you through a visioning and a planning process that combines both mindset and strategy to help you completely level up and create your next business and life reality. Let's commit to quantum leaping together. It's going to be so much fun. Jump on over again to elliswift.com forward slash quantum leap and sign up to get all the information. It's free.